0: Three, two, one.
1: Movie Court. Welcome to Movie Court, where we put the movies you love or hate on trial. This week, we'll be hearing the case against a movie that currently stands at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes mm. and is ranked number 74 on AFI's list of 100 thrills. Oh. Critics call it probably the only science fiction film that can be called Transcendental and the Citizen Kane of sci-fi movies. But our prosecutor Steven Kruger intends to put this movie behind bars today. Here to defend him is Kyle Bornheimer, and as always I am the judge in this case and will render my findings at the end of your arguments. So with that said, let's begin our opening arguments, shall we? Here is Steve Kruger, the prosecutor.
0: Thank you, Judge. I would just like to say that it is a film that is in love with its own style and has forgotten the tenants of sci-fi that it must be grounded in smarts rather Ooh, than flash right. over the years I've seen like five different versions of this movie the first release the directors cut the ultimate cut the box set cut the cut cut <laughs> a movie should have one version I didn't read three different versions of the Odyssey Stephen King didn't write five versions of the stand where is the real movie and destroy all others uh, this movie created a terrible precedent. It ushered in the era of the director's cut, which is a terrible idea. It's bad for film and bad for consumers. Hey, watch all ten versions. Bye, bye, (laughs) bye. Coming out of the 70s, there were great directors who were former editors, documentary filmmakers, etc. This movie came out in the 80s and ushered in the era of the commercial director as feature filmmaker. Yes, Alien is brilliant, but mostly because of the script and the art direction of the monster. Here, in Blade Runner, the story is mildly interesting and overcompensated with flashy production and a shitload of flashing lights. This would be the 80s, a terrible time for movies. I will propose that this movie should be replaced with a much better film that looks towards the future and I will reveal that movie later. Ooh. Oh, Mac All right. and me.
1: Alright, you're opening arguments to the defense attorney, Kyle Warnheimer.
2: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> Judge, by the way, you There's look, no jury. Where is You baby? look handsome it's as ever. It's just me,
1: baby. It's just me. Um
2: Is Ridley Scott on my list of favorite directors? No. But I'm going to defend him anyway, because I believe I do believe that his movie and him definitely deserve my amazing defense skills.
1: Mm.
2: Because Well the court
1: has appointed you to that duty. Well so. there well there
2: may be but I do charge an a fee. <laughs> um my defense of this movie will break into three areas. We'll mm. break down into three areas. What I consider pretty remarkable source material. The uh, the technical ingenuity that is obviously on display and the movie's contributions to the advancement of the cinematic medium. It's kind of a great example of a movie doing some really interesting things that later filmmakers would actually
1: employ a little bit better. <laughs> and the, Okay, those are the opening arguments. We can now move into the, uh, the meat of this trial. Now, right now, on a video monitor, the movie is playing for us here in the courtroom. And it does have a pretty amazing opening, um, atmospherically. I, I will well, say...
0: Uh, point of order, it okay. has a crawl...
1: Oh, well, yes, after The Crawl. But so it, does the Star crawl, Wars. But again, crawl does The Crawl exist in all versions of this? We don't know which versions we watched. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: watched the director's cut because I figured... My I version watched the had fourth a, director's cut. Yeah. It had a crawl and it was cheeseball. Did it have a voiceover? No. Okay. I watched the art That's... director's cut. <laughs> I watched the sound of it. <laughs> I watched
1: Tony Scott's cut, which was Not interesting. <laughs> Too actually, that I, know,
2: that I will watch. And let's just give it up for well, Tony, who I am a much... Bigger fan of Tony Scott's work than his. I
1: am actually a bigger Tony fan than Ridley as well. Here's what I'll say in my own prejudices of this film. This is. Um, I watch this movie every couple years because I've never really enjoyed it, but I keep thinking that I should. <laughs> it is a slog of a movie. But even as we're looking at the images on screen right now, it is one of the most visually stunning movies maybe ever made, right? I, I cannot
0: it's attack its visuals. It is, uh, it is- And it sometimes ma-
1: isn't that enough?
0: No. Okay. Incorrect. Uh, this is a man that would light a can of Coke for four days for commercial, so he, this is what he does. Right. Um, now, I, before you even get into it, it is, the source material I believe is Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric, El- Electronic Sheep? Yes. Right. Yeah. The title, Blade Runner, Has nothing to do with that that novel. (laughs) I think both those titles are kind of awesome, though. Well, but Blade Runner is a cool title. Blade Runner is from William S. Burroughs, and it's a book that has nothing to do with this. And I watched the movie. But he's called a Blade Runner in this. He he? is called a Blade Runner. He is a replicant hunter, which was a great. Van Damme movie that they never made <laughs> yeah. in 1990. Well, that's but what they were going to call this. Why are they the Blade regime. Runners? They they carry no blades. I kept waiting for a blade and there's well, we don't Because they
2: run on the fine line between human and android. They yeah, thought it was... Correct. You know that what? is
1: correct. That is uh, What do I do? Do I give him a point or something? This is a,
2: <laughs> this is a court in which you actually ding for points. Yeah. Uh, which is
0: The, the OJ trial, they did that. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> okay, so we're watching a scene with one of the replicants who has jumped off of the spacecraft and right, is right. now on Earth? Fugitive, yeah. So, this is a, a robot that looks like us, um, and they need to do uh, a psych test to figure out if he's a robot. How about, I don't know, checking open. How about yeah. check, turning the battery off? Right, right. Like, the, the whole premise of the movie is these people are alive for four years, they live among us. The only way we can tell if they're human or alien is ask them what a tortoise is. Mm. Uh, It makes no sense. Well, in a
1: defense, this is. How about a metal detector? You know, hmm.
0: This guy seems to be made out of metal. We don't know what replicants
1: are made of. It's in. It's and maybe I'm just forgetting. But do they ever cut open one of these guys? No, but there's
2: blood when when they're shot. It's red blood, and it's right. I think the the idea is, and I don't. They're actually
1: humanoid. They're not robots. They're maybe like grown in a lab or something. They're they could be human.
2: I believe the conceit, the idea... And I, I was... I, I don't... There's a bump to it. That, that It's weird that it's a psych test, but I think that's a buy-in and it's an interesting choice for that that's the way to do it. I actually think that's quite a captivating scene at opening scene. Mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to get at is what Ryan said. They're humanoids. Imagine that there is no way to physically tell if they're different. The only thing... Which I think this speaks to one of the most interesting things about this the thematic elements of this movie is what makes us human... Right. and if one day we are we are overcome by the singularity and and man-made humanoids and humans are so identical you can't tell the difference what might be the thing that tells them apart and what they're getting out of here I think rather fascinatingly actually which has nothing really to do with Ridley it has to do with the source material is and the script which is it's the nuances of the human psyche that right. we we have, I have now 39 years of processing human interaction to have these really nuanced responses when you ask me a, a kind of complicated question about the human experience. Whereas someone that's only been, quote unquote, alive for four years, as the humanoids in this movie are, would not, would would, 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 a moral question would trip them up in a really bizarre way. What you criticized, if you went deeper, is actually one of the most interesting things about this movie. And, the first 30 minutes of this movie are its strongest. It's visually captivating, the story they present is fascinating, you know, it's more urgent now than it ever has been in terms of AI and, you know, artificial intelligence and and the singularity. I mean, there was no other movies around this time that that took this on. 30 years later there's lots of movies about this. Mm-hmm. But this took on a subject about artificial intelligence that had not I think it's got a lot going for it in its first 30 minutes.
0: I, I'm not going to argue the uh, the optics of this movie. They are stunning. But, but
1: I do question your... your. Uh, so let's face it, this movie is an excuse to sort of ask existential questions about what it means to be human, right? So you seem to be taking its science fiction maybe a little too literally, right? In terms of its of its rules, quote-unquote. I mean, it, it really is just a um, a dissection of what it means to be human.
0: Right? Yes, but... A science fiction movie should be years ahead of itself. And mm-hmm. I watched this, and it feels dated. It doesn't feel... it. It is why I think it should be replaced by another movie that is more to be revealed later. <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> wow, the suspense. Stay tuned. Oh, my God. This is closing arguments are going to blow the lid off this entire mm. case. I mean, what about Harrison Ford? Doesn't
0: he strike a... He looks like he would rather be anywhere else but there. <laughs> and... Uh, but He uh, looks pretty amazing they, as Decker. In yes, the he has the look, but he he is playing it so flat. Right. I don't know if that was a choice or he. I, I don't. I don't get it. He feels really. This is the guy that was Indiana Jones that just lit up the screen, and now he's kind of mumbling. Hmm. And uh you know, I'm not a Blade Runner anymore. I'm retired. He, there's there's no forward drive in the beginning part of the movie, which brings me to my first real question: is what does he do? I was peeling away the beauty of the movie, which when right. I was, when I was uh, 35 and saw it the first time in 1982, <laughs> I've, I've held up really well. Um, <laughs> I was blown away by it. But now that I... I you could do this on your phone, or, you know, and uh, mm. After Effects. I, I was, I was d- digging into the, the narrative, and I don't understand what he does. He, they said, it's a sci-fi flick. And he's a gumshoe. He's a Sam Spade. But I don't... Why don't the cops just go shoot the skin jobs?
2: I... Okay. I, I would say Can that you answer that question? I can answer that question. Okay. In 14 parts. <laughs> um, here's the deal with Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is not a great storyteller. Ridley Scott's movies are not pulsating... Thrillers, it's you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and compare Tony and Ridley. They're they're totally different. Well, but
1: I will say this about both of them: are always at their best when they actually are working from good scripts. Well, Ridley in the has... case of Alien, Thelma and Louise, all pretty tight scripts, and probably the the, in my opinion, the best uh, Ridley Scott movies.
2: Well, even this, but I I think this is an example of an amazing setup, an amazing concept. I think in terms of them trying to. Turn it into a a a thriller and a story. They said, okay, he's a detective who this. It's it's a one last job type of film noir. You know, I'm out of, I'm out, I'm out. Okay, I'll come back in for one last thing. I don't mind the the setup of him as a detective. It's very underwritten. It's very, uh, and I, I I am a little bit torn on Harrison Ford's performance in this mm-hmm. movie. I don't know if he's being wooden because he's playing with this idea that he actually himself right. is is a, an android. Or if it was just an uninspired performance because it was an underwritten script and and he's no you know Daniel Day Lewis, um, so I'm a little bit torn on his performance. I think the this movie does peter out about halfway through the movie and and Ridley is then left to like you say light his coke cans, and there's very it's a languorous movie and Ridley Scott's not an interesting enough director of minutia to be interesting when he's languorous. It's I, a little after a while. Yes, the visuals are amazing. But I, I'm a little bit over them. But if you look at what he ushered in, Tony then kind of did this style as well. Tony did it with pulp movies, which is why I like Tony's movies a little bit more. They're, mm-hmm. they're a little pulpier and a little more fun than, than Ridley's. Ridley really has great taste in material. Ridley always has interesting uh, subject matter and, and screenwriters behind him. But he's not a great storyteller himself in terms of crafting a pulsating you know, thriller or, or story. But what his his style ushered in Everything he, he, he I mean, you could argue it, yeah. that
1: we're looking at this movie right now, and aesthetically speaking, you could say it really sort of rewrote the book for the next 30, 40 years. I and, mean, f- movies yeah. still look like Blade Runner, and right. it was the first of its kind. So almost from just strictly a almost a practical reality, you, it's a movie that's hard to deny its aesthetic. Uh, what it what it did for aesthetics of cinema, right? In a, in a and movie.
2: in this particular case. I think it's probably a 50-50 split on whether that was good or bad. I I don't think it's bad at all, but it, it, the the way it's employed for me personally, his 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 the the sheen that he has on his movies is a little bit alienating. It's actually why I don't love Love Thelma and Louise. He's but that's got, the he, only
1: one that's actually like the reason I don't think Thelma and Louise is a perfect movie. But it's the only one that does feel a little like a pulp. It's almost more of a Tony right. Scott. I actually right. always forget that it was Ridley that made right. that and not Tony Scott because *Thelma and Louise* actually feels like a Tony Scott movie because it's fun.
0: Because if you think of it, he's movies, not I, on trial here. Wh- so what is your point? What, what does the Blade Runner do? I answered that he is a detective
2: who got out of the business because he was sick of running the 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 tight line between. He was sick of shooting androids, and he was worried he was going to one day shoot a human. But why do they he, need him? He might have shot a human once. It's kind of vague in this. He says he doesn't doesn't, but maybe we don't believe him. It's obviously put yourself in that position. You're a person tasked with hunting down and killing um, androids. I think it's probably a pretty uh, anxiety riddled job. And he was one. He wants out of it. They ha- have to have him come back because it's they're under dire circumstances. These four with a leader. There might be a revolution brewing, um, and he's brought back to to quell this. Um, This swell, Quell the Swell, which was the original title, um, before it it gets out of hand. I think they skip two or three interesting beats on why he takes the job. You know, he's like, I'm not going to do it. And then by the end of the scene, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) You know, it's not, again, really. I I think really loved the concept, knew what he wanted to do visually, and like, oh, the script will figure itself out. I think that's probably how... uh, Steve Kruger,
0: your next point. (laughs) You're up. If you can build flying cars and make humans... Why can't you just put an on-off switch on them like a vacuum cleaner? I I, I kept going back to like the problem. But again, that, if they're organic, uh,
1: humanoids grown in a lab, there's also a Frankensteinian. The, the
2: creator of him is obviously he he's got a little bit of a god complex.
0: Yeah. Well, you actually bring up a later point of mine, which the more the interesting characters in the movie are Terrell and uh, the blonde guy. <laughs> that that's the effect it had. Rutger Hauer. Okay, Hauer so let's is, go into Rutger Hauer. You, you, do you Oh mean, no, but Sean Young. But Sean Young. Oh well. That is the other huge flaw in the movie is the relationship between Harrison Ford and Sean Young. I don't understand at all. I don't, don't know. They supposedly
1: fall in love,
0: right? Well, one must have that in a movie, or you right. will be sued or something. But I'm going to challenge you
2: on this. Continue. Why is why is that not an interesting? Um, let, let's let's ignore that.
0: Like everything else in this movie, it might peter out. But tell me why. That's precisely my point. They, they disappear for hours and hours. Um, I felt nothing between them. I thought it was tacked on. I. She's an interesting character, but I don't know why she falls for him in one scene where he interviews her. The movie to me was over when uh, Rudger Howard kills Terrell. That, like, I, I was watching that later. And also, Rudger Howard disappears for hours and hours. He shows up and starts actively moving the story forward at an hour and 15 minutes. It's just Harrison right. Ford, strobe lights, neon, <laughs> Braid Runner, at rain, and uh, noodles. for Like, <laughs> forever. I wonder what the thought was with the rain. That, that Was there
2: some futurist that, you know, acid rain and all this stuff's going to cause... It, I've never been in L.A. when it's rained that... That much. Is it especially not during a drought? in the movie, I don't know. No, yeah. no, but I just didn't know if they made some choice. No, like, oh no, is. in 30 years, it's going to be raining all the time in LA and no one goes west of downtown. And
0: Although Rudger Howard, his white hair, shocking and stunning, did start a trend in Hollywood. All bad guys had white hair <laughs> in, in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Busey and uh, right. whatever. He really looked like uh, Steve Martin without eyebrows. I mean, it was it was a shocking, beautiful. I was fascinated with his character and wanted mm-hmm. to know more. He and Terrell are the interesting part of the movie. It's like they had a. I I, and I don't know the source material, but I think it's that it's that God complex. It's a guy meeting his creator, and then there's this gumshoe thing with the sham spade, and rah, we gotta you know enhance, rah, she, yeah. like it feels like two different stories, and I I, I almost. Uh, in the fugue state, I'm like, we should remake the movie, but from the bad guys' point of view, from Rudger Hauer's point of view. It's a very that's a sidebar. You no, know, it's yeah. a very
2: remake. You know, as much as people love this movie, like it's like, which I think is silly, the Citizen Kane of sci-fi. I don't think this is the best sci-fi movie. I think the concept is very strong, and this is when sci-fi started to really get good. In general, in the late '70s, early '80s, mm-hmm. and then it got so it just it has the benefit of being one of the first along to look with there. Alien, so you um, could yeah. still
1: argue that he was a part of a yeah no, oh definitely very important <laughs> if, and by okay, the way if if Ridley Scott died. Sylvester
0: Stallone made Rocky and he also made Oscar okay uh, <laughs> did you he Oscar
1: uh, yeah, I never got around actually so, so. so. got some good moments in <laughs> no it doesn't well,
0: I'm gonna bring it up
1: objection I'm gonna, I'm
2: gonna um, if Ridley Scott would have died after this movie having made Aliens, Blade Runners, a flawed, but... Pretty, the duelists, which and the Duelist. And the Duelist, I think we would be sitting here saying, oh, wow, what a talent we lost. And, and, and he still made has made some great movies
0: over the last 30 years. Did you notice when Decker pulls up into his apartment, he parks right in front, and he's on the 97th floor of his building. hmm that's amazing parking. I don't know if you've ever oh, you've right. been in LA long <laughs> enough. Why can't they just float up
2: there and hover over?
0: Uh, well, they window. can do some things in the yeah. future. They can. They,
2: they have he did to that minority
1: report. He brought his yeah. car right up to his window. There's Rutger Howard right talk there, about and he is pretty amazing in this. I do. You know, the more I think about
2: this, the more it. I. I am convinced it was a sort of director saying, "There's enough to get us started, and I can figure it out. And and, and I'm doing the visuals, and I'm figuring out the vision for this thing." And, oh, yeah, there's enough of a detective story here. It totally, in my mind, we, we've all kind of read it, do, does fall apart. Is the idea that Rutger is so f- wild at the end and doing such crazy stuff, which I think is interesting, is that because he's dying, and in the the way that these four, four-year-old androids are made, their brains start to deteriorate, and he's kind of speaking and doing nonsensical things at the end, he's bashing his head through right, things. Right, yeah. Because it gets so... I almost admired it. If I'm in the right frame of mind, I'm admiring its almost Lynchian, bizarre well, ending. Again, but I, was that by it, design, or because Ridley didn't know what the hell how the hell to the movie? I
1: mean, I don't think it was necessarily by complete design. And obviously, given how many versions there was, I, I don't know that he had a firm grasp on the entire story as a whole. And I think there are elements that were thrown into the mix, just be like, man, maybe this will work, and maybe this will work. But if you look at it almost as like a tone poem. That's the only real level I can in, kind of enjoy it on, I, I suppose, is, is purely a aesthetic mood piece. and purely, yeah, a mood piece. If you're in the right mood, if you if you want to be put to sleep <laughs> right. uh, late at night. Um, well, there's, this is a great night.
2: movie to just have on. I mean, you know, if, right, because you don't exactly. have to worry about whether the story's working or... And isn't that enough
1: sometimes? Of, does, it, does, right. does every movie have to be? <laughs> We've well, asked this question in this court okay. before. Does every movie have to be... The most perfectly calibrated script ever put together, and Mr. Kruger.
0: The fact that they're looking at photographs is ridiculous. Like, it's it's what dates the movie for me. They have printout photographs. Now they are, what year is it? Twenty thirty. Right now, we don't have photographs anymore. Mm -hmm. So much of it hinges on the fact that he can enhance a photograph and somehow go around a corner, which I remember as a kid being blown away by. And now all it does is lead him to a stripper that he ends up shooting, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most embarrassing scenes in any Ridley Scott movie is when he goes and he pretends he's the union rep for the performers, local one o seven, and there are a lot of pervs in here who will drill holes in the wall, like like it's Porky. Oh yeah, Or-key's. he does
1: a funny job. It's uh, voice. Yeah, it, like a Scottish.
0: Broken, Harrison Ford, uh, handsome, ratings. rugged, all American comedy, not so much. She's also she's a robot, and then she becomes a stripper. Is that like a lateral move? I mean, wouldn't well, you, no, like, she's
2: you, designed to be a stripper. Yeah, she's, she's she's a pleasure bot. She's on a on a prison planet, essentially doing you know fucking for money up there and probably some pretty rough trade she hops a refugee ship out of that planet comes back here and yes she only has a few things she can do but it's a lot rather be free down in um dystopian la than dystopian planet it's a little dystopian um, yeah. yeah a little dystopian um i had some great responses to what he was talking about and i forgot them all
0: also Every love scene in the 80s, as when he has uh, sex with that toaster, I mean, Sean Young, <laughs> they have a sax solo. It is oh, so I know. dated. That was pretty amazing. Nice. It is so bad. Oh. Nice. Okay. So,
1: wait, are you arguing then that when it came out, it was a good movie, but it simply hasn't aged? Because that's a different argument than saying it was never a good movie and should be in jail for crimes against humanity. Can I... Wait, well, he asked I'm gonna me... I'm going
2: to forget all my points. <laughs> One second. I think it's unfair to to hold this movie up as a as overwhelmingly dated. First of all, any sci-fi movie you got to give a little bit of room to on on their on how well they nail future. Yes. Are there cell phones in this movie? No. <laughs> um do they have any sense, you know, do they have a kind of a wrong-headed approach to what LA might look like in in And by the way, is dystopia as a vision for futuristic movies over an overdone thing? yes mm-hmm. um, but this was the first dystopian credit yeah. I think there's plenty of movies around this time that f- fare far worse um, in in the data department and let me go back to something you said about Sean young and and this relationship between them she doesn't know she's an Android she comes she meets him this man who's tasked with with finding out um, whether someone is an Android or not she's a new generation he's a challenge to her it takes him. 24 questions as opposed to eight or however it normally takes, you know. So there's already, like, he's intrigued by her. What what is this? I haven't come up against this yet. She thinks she's human. She finds out that night that she might be wrong about that and is scared um, of her creator to tell anyone else but this guy that seemed sympathetic to her earlier, and so she shows up at his apartment. I actually find that quite intriguing. That she, A, doesn't know if she's human. She has maybe one person... That she trusts with this, and she's scared, and he's afraid to tell her. He at first he's he's kind of cold about it. Then he feels bad. He's treating her like a robot, and then he realizes, shit, maybe I should treat her a little more human. And then he falls in love with her, and then things get a little gamey, and it doesn't quite work from the story standpoint, like the rest of this movie. But I wouldn't rip on on why that element of the story was introduced, or or and obviously it's a film noir. It's a detective story. There's gonna be a femme fatale. There's gonna be. Uh, Female interest, and I don't, I don't disparage how they went about this being that
1: for him.
0: But is she the femme fatale?
2: What does she do? Well, we're
1: supposed to wonder, right? We're supposed to wonder if she's good or bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like any femme. Did
2: did did? What's the guy's name? Did Terrell send her? In, send her to do what? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that my first initial instance when she's there is like, why she's here. I I, I don't know I if I'm all that. You're worried. actually
0: fueling my point, which is there's an interesting story in there. There's just they're focused on the wrong character. Terrell and his minion go find out more about this guy who's maybe going to ruin my business. Like, But as a movie, is just a pure piece of pleasure. It starts at about hour and 15 minutes. That's when Rudger Hauer shows up and he starts kicking some ass. It, it, the movie comes alive in the end. It is the hour and 12 minutes that <laughs> So leads you actually up to enjoy the... the last half of this movie? Yeah. Or the
1: middle section you enjoy? En- then...
0: Enjoy is... Uh, Stretching it, but yes, um, narratively I, I think it, it it kicks in later and it should have kicked in earlier. Um, visually, it is arresting for 1982, but now as a, as an adult and a, a, I've gro- grown up in a post Ridley Scott world, mm. like it, it's it's like looking at a rave in that third act. I mean, it is like if Juan Atkins could spin to that. Uh, <laughs> those flashing lights, he's a DJ. (laughs) The memory of the movie was so great and then upon reviewing it, it isn't a Star Wars and it isn't uh, an alien which is incredibly dated. They're looking at Commodores, you know, they're they're talking- Lionel Richie? No, no. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're bri- the opening of a, all the computers. <laughs> the are computers like... are looking at are ridiculous, but you forgive it because Alien is such a timeless, perfect story. And this, all I did was look in the background, of like there's neon of a TDK. Like, well, so not, what do you think
1: accounts for uh, as much love as this movie seems to get? to this day. I mean, it probably doesn't get as much as alien, but it's still a very beloved sci-fi movie that's often referred to and like Christopher Nolan calls it one of his favorite movies. I've heard many directors refer to this. Why why do you why do you think that is?
0: Because they took a shitty script and they made it really pretty. And that's what a director can do.
1: Okay.
0: You say shitty script. And I honestly believe Ridley Scott. I
2: think he's an intellectual. I think he's well-read, interesting man who likes interesting subject matter, and I think he was intrigued by this subject and made this isn't um, Star Wars and this isn't. I don't. I I don't criticize this movie or think of it in terms of other sci-fi action movies. I think about it in, other, in terms of other sci-fi think pieces, and this movie is a think piece, and I think he's just not quite a. a solid enough storyteller to make that always interesting, but the themes that are floating around in this movie and the th- the, the thoughts that are floating around this movie from even from the crazy Larry Daryl and Daryl guy um, <laughs> yeah. who, you know, For are, you, you can always see Scott being like, oh that's, yeah, no, that, let's explore that a little bit, and unfortunately all too often his scenes kind of have no point, but there's always something very interesting uh, intellectually floating around them.
1: Alright, let's segue into the end of the movie and what what do you each think of the end of this movie? Krueger, we'll start with you.
0: Um, it came too late. I I really I, I feel like it's a beautifully photographed third act, but it's all so much story happens so quickly.
1: How long is this movie? What is the runtime at this That's time? That like long. an hour and fifty. Yeah, it's but not it, that it, long. It, it, it feels longer. It feels, it feels <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: It has an iconic moment, you know, him dying in the rain. And that is a pretty amazing moment. Uh, Great soft rock song from the (laughs) 70s. And I believe those lines were improv. I think that's some famous story, the Rudger Hauer, the things I've seen, you know, spice ships off Orion and this and that. My brain went to, oh, that would have been a good movie to see him leading the rebellion of a bunch of alien, of It's a very uh, interesting point
1: about him being the more interesting protagonist of this um, movie, perhaps, that there was a better story to be told that was with him at the same Yeah, I mean, I
0: didn't understand storytelling when I saw it, but now as an adult, I still don't understand storytelling, but I have a a mic in front of my face. But there's no opponent. There's no bad guy. He shows up in the beginning and has a menacing scene with a person that makes eyeballs and then disappears. And you look at Star Wars, the first scene, you meet the bad guy and he's present the whole time.
1: But that's and a crackerjack movie. I mean, that's held up as probably one of the best told stories. Well, ever I'm not going to shit on Star Wars. No. no, nor, no nor should, should shit.
0: anyone. Um, I still don't know if he's a fucking replicant or not. They can't make up their mind.
1: Well, that's part of the enigmatic ending. No, you're it's just annoying.
0: I'm, I was just annoyed. Like, just have him go, oh, I'm a fucking toaster. Holy shit, hey, let's fuck, and you're never gonna work well, again. Well,
1: apparently, uh, Ridley Scott doesn't think... There's still some dispute about whether or not he was. Like, I, Harrison Ford played him, as he, played him assuming that he was a replicant, but Ridley has said he is not a replicant, and that was one thing where I guess they were always arguing on set because... I guess maybe Ford felt like there was a very pivotal center to this that they both needed to understand and never could quite agree on. So maybe that says a lot about why there's no central focus to this movie. It's like when you got your director and your leading man not in agreement about who their lead character is, that could be a problem. W- I, you could make an argument,
2: though, that was the exact way to do it. Yes. Because the movie is about... I mean, you, you could make an argument that every single figure in this movie is a replicant has only been alive for four years
0: mm-hmm.
2: i mean it is it is it is it does lend itself to a sort of mind-fuckiness that that uh, isn't uninteresting what about what, what's the origami
0: are you asking me
2: I, anyone here I th- I th- no one knows
1: it have something to do with only a human can make art or something or am i totally wrong?
0: no at that? one point he has a vision of the unicorn from legend Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't know Which why is,
1: it literally is because no, I mean, that was it was just a trailer movie. for Legend yeah. in is, the middle of the movie. Was
0: that viral marketing? <laughs> that Edmunds was uh, product so placement. So, is he a unicorn? Is he? I don't. I don't know. Edward James almost is really good at origami. Cause oh, he's or a, all
1: androids have the same dream or something? Is that what it is? And that's why they all dream of the it same It just
0: fuels my point that there's a movie in there, there's a story mm-hmm. in there, and they never focus on it because they're very busy getting flickering lights and water dripping everywhere.
1: Your, your feelings on the end of this movie, uh, Kyle?
0: I, 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 I do uh, think
2: that the movie almost justifies itself, any mistakes it had made in the, you know, like, again, I, again, I think the first 30 minutes, the concept itself, 30, 45 minutes is really interesting. It falls apart. It gets meandering in an uninteresting way. There's, there's some bad choices made. I think then at the end and the, the sort of iconic ending and the little speech he gives and just the imagery, we're just watching it right now the, the cutting to the point of view of Harrison Ford and the, the, the rain coming down on Ruckerhauer as he lifts him up, I mean it's just fun to watch
0: um, he's got a dove, and there's a dove involved if if Prince walked out in the middle of the scene, I would have not, yeah it, it would all make sense they, they pan slowly over to Prince in a bathtub I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense
2: and then, and then I couldn't fault the ending ending because I figured there's six or seven endings out there and I didn't know right. which one I should judge. So, um... You know, I think the real ending is this: is, is the two of them on the top of that tower. The, the the chase up to that is I have no idea what's going on. Is you know, yeah, that I, I, in terms true. of suspense, it's not suspenseful. It's not well made as an action scene. It, Wait, what are you talking? The Rector Howard running, th- you know, with his like with his like culottes on, running through the <laughs> through the <laughs> the, the, the warehouse. Said, going, is, that ah, cr- is that what a culotte him. is? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've heard the word for many years. I've never. I've been too.
2: That's he looks kula. like a little gentleman, Like he's like a. He's just. You know.
0: It, I thought it looks like he's wearing an adult diaper. Yeah. Which he, I figure they're he, alien toasters or whatever, whatever they are. They have to poop
2: in some weird thing. And sometimes I'm I'm on board with it. Oh, this is this is how a an, an Android dying would behave. Other times I think Scott's just lost the fucking thread. Um. So I can't make up my mind on it. Uh. Then the origami is placed and it's just a really well
0: shot origami. So I can't fault it. <laughs> yeah. Your Honor, I'd like to enter into evidence. Actual studio notes from Mm. a Blade Runner screening.
1: Oh I will hear the I will hear this evidence. Bring it to me. (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't know who JP or BY are. I believe they are executives. And these are actual studio notes, you're saying BY is New
1: York. These are studio notes from the company, correct? Which, by the way, you Yorkin to be
2: clear, always that. cracks me up when you see that on screen. You're watching this awesome Vangelis score, and this, and then the name Bud Yorkin comes up on the screen.
0: Does not fit with sci-fi. See, it's Bud Yorkin <laughs> here. We're gonna make a picture. We're gonna shed in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he sounds like. Uh, opening too choppy. Voiceover dry and monotone. I assume this was. When they had voiceover? Yeah, I, I don't know. The uh, where's the Vangelis music? Question mark. That's a good one. Well, they addressed that note. Leon flashback dialogue confusing. Is he listening to tape? This is my favorite note. This movie gets worse every screen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not really a note. That doesn't aside, help you. I like that there were really particular ones until that, and then yeah, the yeah, guy's just like, I, I
1: hate
0: it. this fucking movie. Oh, my God. Deckard at the piano is interminable. <laughs> yeah, he was at the piano doing a little soft jazz with uh, the robot (laughs) toaster lady whatever. with the sax (laughs) and all the old fashioned photos oh my god oh it goes on and on and on general comments Uh, voiceover is an insult I guess they got rid of the voiceover Zora's is which one was Zora was she the stripper yeah the stripper I think up to Zora's death the picture is deadly dull Mm, that's kinda of like yeah. Yeah, yours, with great you know? minds. Me me and the Bud Yorkins of the world <laughs> you don't know how like Great stu- Mind is writing yeah. this note.
1: Studio executives. Uh... <laughs>
0: Ridley and the crew have done three cuts and still have not done what was agreed. Now they should do it themselves. That's not really even a note either. That's, That's just, just like, complaining about Ridley Scott. So there, this was a troubled film, <laughs> even in its editorial phase. Even the great Bud Yorkin, <laughs> of which I know nothing <laughs> about, thought like it Bud was Jorgen. a dropy, uh, whatever he said was was a dry, choppy, droll, monotone clop
1: Well, and what's funny about that is Ford did it intentionally bad because he didn't want it to be in the movie. He was not a fan of the voiceover idea, and so he decided to record it as shitty as he could so that they hopefully wouldn't include it in the movie.
0: Well, if Hollywood is listening, I want to see the Bud Yorkin cut. <laughs> yeah. Get on it. On Laserdisc. I want to see the Bud Yorkin cut for all okay. movies. There might be a great hour-long cut of this movie.
1: Okay, so why don't we move into our closing arguments here. Um... I will hear the closing arguments first of the prosecutor, Steve Kruger. You're on.
0: I think everyone who saw this movie when they were young was was correct in enjoying it. It it was a groundbreaking piece of art. Um, in the fullness of time, it has not aged well, and um, it is a narrow look at our future. And I would like it to be replaced by a better movie. That. Expresses our relationship with technology, and I. So what is that movie? I think Steve? that movie is her. Ooh, nice! Oh,
1: interesting. I think
0: her is absolutely brilliant, and um, it's a love story told through technology, which is what this was trying to do, and it does a much better job of showing the things that I think this. So movie you're saying
1: her has maybe taken up the mantle that Blade Runner. I think held. it should.
0: I think instead of.
1: But the, you may be in this very booth. 30 years from now, saying her, in the fullness so of time, we never had our pants up not up high. age well.
0: <laughs> it won't age well, but that's that's why movies need to be let let go and, and, and let it drift. Or but put I, in prison. But I think instead of watching this every year and trying to like it, watch her a couple more times and it gets better with each other. I was going to say, I may
1: have to because I was uh, famously not a fan of her, but I digress. Um, uh, okay, now we will throw it to the defense for your closing arguments
2: i'd like to quickly second your the enjoyment of her and agree and i'd actually like to list her ai minority report all these movies that took on artificial intelligence that were made in the last 10 years this movie did this 30 years ago and i think from a conceptual and thought-provoking standpoint did it very well was it in case in a perfect movie a great story told well not necessarily the concept and the, the the provocativeness of it still stands. The sound, the combination of sound and image in this movie, the, the opening images, the first 30 minutes, the getting used to this world, the special effects for the most part hold up very well after 30 years. I think it, it, it'd be very hard, just the technical ingenuity that other filmmakers were able to use because of this movie and what other filmmakers were, were, were able to do, and I think employed even better, and sometimes you have to give a movie credit for that. When, it, when you're the first, um, you sometimes don't nail it yet. This is an attempt at making a, a serious contemplative piece of commercial art, and uh, he should be commended for that, and it wasn't an easy time to do it in the 80s to do this, but thank God this squeaked out of the studios, and um, thank God we can argue about it 30 years later, which in and in, in of itself allows it to be, um, I think, not imprisoned.
1: All right, gentlemen. Well, this was a tough case to rule on. But especially since uh, there seems to be a, a strain of lukewarmth running through all three of us toward this movie. The fact that, Kyle, at the end there, you made a very good point. And actually, it's one thing that Steve, strangely enough, you've been saying the whole time is in terms of how dated this movie is. But the fact is, we're talking about it 30 years later. How many movies even age a year, two, or three? The fact that even if this movie is dated 30 years on and it's still as engaging as it is, is almost uh, enough of a case for it in itself. I personally have a strange relationship with the movie, but the fact that I keep coming back to it every couple years says a lot. I think the ultimate question, though, is whether or not the streets are worse off for having Blade Runner on them and I think ultimately there's enough here to keep it out of prison. I am ruling for the defense on this matter. Blade Runner you are free to go.
2: Thank you, thank you so much.
1: This court is dismissed. Corn be